Oh man, it is a Friday today. It is our Legends Night. We change gears from matters in the legal fraternity. Uh, bashing of heads. It almost sounded like uh, it was in the Kruger National Park, lions and cats. Uh, but yeah, uh, that that is it. I mean, that that is... Don't even joke about that. I mean, that is... Phew. Oh, that's a powerful statement uh, to come through. But maybe, maybe it needed to be said. You know, never mind just this case. Other cases that we've complained about that take gazillion years to preside over and to find judgment. You know, people need to be as professional as they claim to be and have a DC that is functional. That is all we're saying. So this case aside, just have a functional DC that doesn't wait for Easter next year for an outcome to come through. But you know what? The exciting thing now, and that is why every time I speak to this man, I always reflect back on his on his history. Uh, because it was one of those like an against all odds type of history. Uh, where you leave the comforts of your family and your home and your land of birth and you successfully go out of the country to make sure that your dream is realized. And obviously you face a whole lot of difficulties. It's a foreign country. You you rise above that. You become respected. You become a recognizable figure in world football. And, of course, just when you see him playing football, those those dazzling runs on the left wing, and the fans are just like, wow, look at him, you know? They're all enthralled, they're captivated, they're excited, they, you know, they become automatic fans of the play. And the life journey, though, where you talk about growing up in Durban, earning a professional contract in Bochum, um, as a, a mere 16-year-old, imagine that, hmm? You figure yourself out leaving home at the age of 16 and you go to foreign land, foreign language, foreign everything, culture, everything at the age of 16. And there is a professional contract at the age of 16 in the German Bundesliga. I always say, picture yourself because at times these lived experiences escape us. And at only 20 years old, <laughs> You know, this doesn't happen a lot these days. He gets a chance as well to represent South Africa at Bafana Bafana level. If I'm not mistaken, he went on to earn about 76 caps. Uh, you know, played as well in the 98 and 2002 uh, FIFA World Cups. He also made his appearance at the Olympic Games in the year 2000. He's faced a whole lot of challenges. You know, when you're raised by a single mom single parent upbringing you, you kind of like look at your surroundings again gangsters and temptation of drugs and alcohol uh, in your teenage years it has a bearing on you but the big rescue though comes through this beautiful game of football besides the Bochum this man went to play for Borussia Dortmund he went to play for FC Basel Arminia Bielefeld and I know that even in England, the likes of Everton, Hull City, Blackburn Rovers were all like, hey man, we want this guy. We're just very proud that he's a South African of note. A big announcement was made about his 
new position in a PSL club for the forthcoming season. My goodness, he's done it all, this guy. I don't know. Darren Buckley, where do you get the time, my friend? Good evening. Good evening, Robert. How are you, man? I was getting exhausted. I'm just thinking of all of these things <laughs> that you... I'm getting goosebumps on why you're why you mentioning everything. And, and that's just a fraction of, of what it is that comes to mind, Dalron. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Honored to be here. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. When I talk about 16-year-old Darren Buckley, did you even know what a contract was when, when Bochum was saying, come through, come and sign, we want you, we, 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 we convinced that you are what we need? Well, to be honest with you, Robert, I didn't know what a contract was because when I played in Durban, you know, you played in the social leagues, you played in the Durban and district leagues, there was no contract offered to you to earn money. And all of a sudden, uh, you jump on a plane in September with the age of 16 years old through Gordon Nickerson, who organized me a trial in Germany. And, of course, living in Durban, you know, nice weather. I mean, your, 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 your coldest weather you get here in winter is 20 degrees. And you jump off a plane in Germany and you have minus 10 degrees. Okay. And, now you have, <laughs> and now you have to adapt to uh, this coldness. You have to adapt to the language. You have to have to adapt to different characters, which was which was hard, was a struggle, you know. But I just had one thing in mind that I want to be a professional soccer player, and I'll have to do everything, which is possible to do for me to come to come further and, and be successful. And uh, it was it was it was a long journey, of course. I went to different clubs before I signed my first contract at Fulham Bochum. So I went to Rotweiss Essen, who were in the second division. I went to Schalke Ulfia who was in the Bundesliga. So I was there for two weeks on, on trials. And, uh, you know, in 94, Germany wasn't a cosmopolitan country. No one, no one spoke English. So the communication was with, was with hands and feet. But the minute you entered into a changing room and uh, the players saw you coming in as a foreigner, you know, you could see the faces, you know, the mimic of the players that not, not wanting you to be there because they know you come and take their position. And at training... You know, they wouldn't play the ball because, you know, you, you want to get the ball and prove to the coach that you're a valuable player to be in this team. And I had to take the ball off the players' feet of the few players to show the coaches what I'm capable of doing. And it took some time. And luckily, you know, in the last, I think it was two days before I was going to fly back to South Africa, was when I went to Fulfell Bochum. And then they put me into the, the second the second development team, was under 19. And the first training session was under Benedict, who's a legend in Germany. He's played with the German national team. I think he's even won the European Cup. Not sure in the European, the, the, um, the Euro Cup yeah. with the German national team. And he's very successful. So he was a coach at the time. And then when you saw me at the first training session, I took on five plays and I scored. We sent it again to another five plays, six plays, and I scored again. Next minute, I turned my back. The coach was gone. So all the players were asking, Where, where's the coach? So he actually ran back to the office to get all the management to sign a contract so I don't leave because in two days' time I was going to fly back to South Africa because my, my visa um, was running out. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> that is like the craziest story. <laughs> That's, you know, yeah. but, but for you to, to be able to withstand all of those things and, and I mention them not because I'm... 
I'm being silly. It's because there have been South African players, and I've mentioned it before on the show, who have gone for trials um, past them in, 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 in Russia, which, again, is similar in terms of just the extent of the, of the cold weather. But how come you were able to not be like them and say you are homesick, you are too cold, you are too uncomfortable, you miss the pleasures of home, and be able to stick it out? Was it wanting to to do what? What was going through your mind at that tender 16-year-old brain? You know, Rob, uh, it wasn't easy. You know, I was I was homesick because as I said to you, you live in Durban with nice yeah. weather, beaches. You know, in winter you have 20 degrees. Then you jump come to Germany, it's minus 10, minus 15, it's snowing, it's raining, it's wet. So I was homesick, but then, you know, luckily we didn't have the social media which you have today. <laughs> so yeah. if I had to go phone my, my parents to tell them, look, I want to come home, I couldn't because you had to go out the house, you know, on the street had a, they had a little telephone booth. We had to buy, back in the days, in Germany, it was a telephone card of 20 Deutschmarks. And you put this card into the into the phone. You press the African number, and the minute you pick it up and say, "Hi, mom, how are you?" Boop, it's gone. <laughs> the money's gone. <laughs> so you couldn't actually tell your parents what's happening, you know. And uh, no, no, it was hard. But I'm, you know, it was really hard. But I had to see my way through, you know. And luckily, when I signed my first contract at um, Fulfa Bochum, there were players. Uh, there was an Italian guy and a French guy. In the team that could speak English, so I could, I could have I communicated with them in English. And whenever the matches at the pre-match uh, meeting was before the game, they translated for me in English on what the coach used to say. But it was it was very funny because I would sit there, and the coach you will speak German, and then he will tell the whole team how they're playing, and the system. But I didn't understand a word what he was saying, and then he'll always leave me to last, Robert. And the funniest thing. I'll just hear Dalron. I'm like, Coach, yeah, score. <laughs> so, that's all, so that's all I knew. That was my job was to score. Yeah. So I knew exactly what I had to do. And, I was, and then that's how I made it into the first thing because I was scoring every single game. And that's a, a clear instruction, clear for him, clear for you. No, no further complication linguistically or otherwise. No system, no philosophy. It's just Dalron, score. Yeah, done in Dustin. Okay, coach, yeah. Because yeah means yes in German, so yeah. Yeah. And that was, yeah. But it was so funny because, as I said, he will give his whole system how we have to play and this and that. And then all the players, like, yeah, coach, but I don't understand a word of German. Nothing. And he comes with Daron, lost me, leaves me to last. Daron, score. Okay. Okay, coach, that's my job. And you do exactly as the coach wants you to do. The amazing story of Darren Buckley will continue uh, straight after the news because, like I say, um, it's really inspirational on many, many fronts as well. And uh, people just struggle going to a different province in South Africa, you know, never mind as a 16-year-old going to Germany uh, to make things happen. Uh, So we'll continue with that conversation. Uh, Right now, though, it is top of the hour. Uh, We shift our focus to what's been happening in the news. And that's where, again, royalty steps up. Uh, clad in wonderful Heritage Day attire yesterday, the princess herself is back, and Musa. Hashtag MSW. One-on-one with football's living legend. Ladies and gentlemen, your legend is here. Dear from Davidson, 
Yes, Darren did does a great job. This is one of the best players this country has ever produced. He did represent our country well in Bundesliga. I wish him all the best at, Mar- uh, at Marisbeck. Thank you. Goodbye. Good evening, Mr. Marawa. It's Dusan from Deval. I just would like to comment on the legend you have on the studio. What a, a great player. What a, a left educated foot. Yeah. Uh, you have to teach the kids, the younger ones, how to overcome the difficulties overseas because it's very cold overseas and needs a big heart. All the best to his future endeavors and all the best to your show, Mr. Mara. Bye. Uh, good evening, Rob, and good evening to the listeners. Yeah, speaking to Sandra. Uh, what a legend we have there, Rob. Darren Parkley. No, I remember him uh, in the 2002 World Cup. Wow, what a, what a player. What a player. One of the greatest we've ever had, actually. We were just talking about him the other day, me and my friends, actually. But I'm happy to have him on the line. <clears throat> uh, Rob, can you ask Darren, uh, uh, maybe you can elaborate on his thoughts on, wow, what's the problem? What's causing uh, the country not to export uh, talent to the top five leagues, top five leagues in the world? So what, what does he think is the problem? What's causing it? Why don't our players pay, play in those big leagues anymore? Hi, Rob. And the listeners, it's Raymond speaking here in Whitbank. I used to be a, a fan of Daron Barkley. He was a quality player. My wish was to see him playing for Kaiser Chiefs, but it didn't happen. exactly 10 minutes after the hour. Big thanks to Princess and Musa for the news and we continue our journey with Darren Buckley. It's a Friday. It's Legends Night. He certainly fits into that category. No doubt about that. And a lot of questions, lots of voice notes 060-584-2250 and that is the number that we give to you for you to give to us uh, your comments and questions as well well plenty of that reaction coming through delron uh, any of those you want to respond to uh, uh, you know a lot of them really just wishing you well in your new job we might touch on that we might not it depends this is your journey uh, but yeah others saying that why isn't there such a, a large um export, I suppose, of players from South Africa to big leagues like uh, the Bundesliga. I thought that was a very constructive one as well. You know, first of all, you know, it's very warm, warm hearting to you, all my well, fans of mine, you know, um, congratulating me on my new job and also on what I've uh, given to my country. Uh, just on the question on why players are not... Um, having success overseas, because I think the problem is, Rob, is that, you know, as time has gone past, football has changed dramatically. And if I see it in Germany, you know, you have the German young development uh, youth, they producing their own type of players. Mm-hmm. And what I've, what I've noticed is that if you, if you take a 19-year-old uh, European or maybe a German player, and you compare with a 19-year-old South African player, it's chalk and cheese, meaning that the, the 19-year-old player overseas or in Germany, he's so way advanced because of the training that he's getting that when this player 
makes his debut into the first team, you don't see any difference mm. because of the quality trainers that they have coaching these young development players. And uh, when I was there now in December time on holiday, I went to Borussia Dortmund and I went to Fofa Bochum visiting my own clubs. And uh, when I spoke to ex-teammates of mine who are managers now, they, who are you know, on the board of, of, of the club, and they said to me they will never ever find a coach that does not have a UEFA A license to coach a development team. So that means all the coaches that are coaching from under maybe sevens all the way up to under 19s, all these coaches have the UEFA A license, which is very difficult to get. So these coaches are highly qualified. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly how to develop such players that they become quality players for the first team. We're in South Africa, you don't have that. Every time Dick and Harry is coaching development with no qualifications. Mm. And that's, that's the problem which I discovered here in Durban when I was at Amazulu, is that when the players were coming from the Disky team into the first team, us coaches have to still show these players how to play a diagonal ball into space or how to receive a ball and turn quickly with less, with less touches. And that shouldn't happen. That's why I opened a soccer, a soccer academy school called Down Buckley Soccer School to yes. prevent this, to teach kids. You no, know, the kids can stay at their clubs, wherever they're playing for, but they come once a week and I just teach them the basics, less touches on turning a ball, to have vision, you know, to be creative themselves, to think for themselves, to think like footballers. And, you know, to be honest with you, the, the kids that I have, have, they have produced dramatically. It's unbelievable. I had a, a girl that came to me, she was 13 years old. She couldn't kick a ball to save her life from. You must hear now how she dribbles. Unbelievable. She's been with me for two years. And this is the difference which I see between Europe and South Africa. So now I think from my point of view is that the European teams, they don't see... Uh, the reason of bringing now South African players into Europe because they're developing their own players. But if an African player comes into Europe and wants to sign for one of the players, he has to be extraordinary. That means he can't be on the same level as the mm. players they're developing. He has to be two steps in front. He has to be something like when they see this player, like, yo, wow, this player you have to sign. He's unbelievable. And that's what's happening. That's why you have the lack of African players that are especially South African players South that are going yeah. to Europe and signing for big clubs. I think that that analogy we, we, we could use, and that is what surprises a lot of South Africans, because a lot of people will be like, why isn't Percy playing in the EPL? You know, Percy Dow. Yeah. And I would try and include a lot of what you've said. I mean, obviously, you've given much more detail because you are right there directly involved and say that, you know, it, it is really... Diff- Percy, for us, he, he breaks the ceiling. He is the superstar. He is the player that makes all of us be like, wow. But there's a different yeah. measure when it comes to breaking into the mold that side. And I, I would always use the Raheem Sterling example of when he broke into, you know, the, the, the big league as a teenager, yeah. similar to your journey. And the fact that I'm sure even now, uh, for his country, even still at his mid-twenties, he's already got more than 50 caps playing for his country. We, we never exactly. get that here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a good example. And you just hit it yourself, Rob. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, 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 and that's literally where, where everything happens is within the developmental stage uh, of football. And, and, and that is why it's, it's always so painful after Bafana Bafana play and everybody's complaining and complaining. And yet they don't realize that a, a Shalulile, a Gabadinho Mango, a Nurkovic, all of the guys that play for their clubs oh, that people yes. support, they are not eligible to play for South Africa. So exactly. now when you trying to bring a South African player, let's say you bring in Tuli from Amazulu, who hardly will get a call-up to the national team, um, yeah. but he's one of the top goal scorers, and then everybody's like, hi, man, Bafana is useless, man. But <laughs> you, you don't look at your own club and you say, how many yeah. South African players are actually yeah. doing well? Brad Krobler becomes one of the top five or top eight top goal scorers, but he's already knocking on 30. You know, is yeah. he the sustainable yeah. answer at national level? And the answer will be no. Yeah, yeah but, you know, you, you know, it, you know it, when, a, when a tree grows, Rob, all right, and it's not stabilized, properly the tree will fall yeah okay so who runs the whole show in south africa think about it huh? mm. i'll give you a good example when germany went to brazil for the world cup they had the same problem like south africa they weren't winning games the fans were criticizing them they were having a bad run i think the last three or four years before they went to the world cup in brazil it took them 10 years, because when I did my UEFA, my, my UEFA B license in Germany, the guy from the, the German Football Federation came and explained to us. He said to, he said to me, well, he said to all the participants, that the German Federation got a team together, all right? And they put a team of 20 people just to build a youth team for this World Cup. To put a team together because their vision was to win the World Cup in Brazil. So that team that won the World Cup in Brazil were all players like Ozil, uh, Müller, um, all of them played together from under 17 all the way up to the first team. They even won the, 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 the Euro Cup with, uh, with the German under-21s, I think. Mm. So they prepared themselves all the way. And they had this team that went out watching other countries play and came back with information and gave the German Federation on how uh, Brazil plays, how Argentina plays, and how you have to break them down, you know, to assassinate them or actually to win games. And over this 10-year period became success. They won the World Cup, and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. 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 I couldn't believe it. But coming back, what I'm trying to say is that they, they prepared themselves. They looked on development players, you know, giving them time on such a, a period that when they get to, the, uh, to this tournament, that they're prepared to win this tournament. And this is what people we don't do in South Africa. We just put a team together. Okay, the World Cup is around the corner or the African Cup. Jump on board. Let's go. Boom. Yeah, nothing happens. It takes preparation. It takes development. You've got to get a good team together. You know, you know, there's a lot of things that that you need to make a nice a nice food so you can eat. You can't just use salt when you're making food. You need to put pepper inside. You need to put all different kinds of stuff so it tastes nice. And that's how you develop things when you're going towards a, a tournament that you're gonna be there presenting. Well, that's why they also just to, you know, squash a lot of the developmental programs in this country because they don't suit their agenda. 
Um, and, and, and that is the fight, unfortunately, that South African football will one day wake up to uh, when all is said and done and we haven't qualified for anything. Yeah. We haven't even qualified to go to the airport. Uh, that is just how <laughs> crazy things would become in the end. Uh, when, when, when you made your return back to, and I know that the whole loan deals had happened, uh, you had gone to, to Basel, etc. And did you ever get coached? then by Jurgen Klopp. I'm just using him because when you returned back, I think it was 2007, 2008, yeah. uh, he was the new manager uh, then. Did yeah. you spend time with him? Did he coach you at all or you didn't? No, I, I spent two years with Klopp because when I was at Basel, um, I was on loan to Basel and then I, I got my mojo back. I won the Basel Cup League so he was a, he was a coach that wanted me to come back to Dortmund, which I went back. Mm. And uh, he's a fantastic coach. I mean, to be honest with you, one of the best co- coaches that I trained under. You know, he, he, his philosophy and the way he trained, the way he communicated with players. But I believe his strongest point was motivating players. So even if you sat on the bench or you sat in the stands and you weren't playing, he will talk to you and motivate you, motivate you that when you come on, you will run through a wall for him. I think that, that was that. This was his, his strongest point of coaching. Although his, his coaching on the field was all brilliant, you know his tactics, his philosophy. But I think his most powerful thing is the way he he treats the players, the way he communicates with players. He gave that self confidence that, like a father, like I want to play for this coach, no matter what. If I'm not playing, I'm sitting on the bench, I'm in the stands, or injured. I want to play for him. I put my boots on and play for him. And that's how every player felt when I was playing at Dortmund. And I think that's his, 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 his seed of success. But you see it even now. I mean, you see just you know, the tempo is laid by him. When you look at Minamino uh, just the other day, he, he came on and he did what he was able to do and scoring multiple goals in one game. He's given him an opportunity to to just gain his confidence because he knows why he brought him in. And this might be the season where he needs him to kick in and really start to show why he was the investment that he is and why he's the top player that he is. And you just look at the, the energy, like you're saying, all the players, it doesn't matter how big you're the Van Dijk or whoever you are, yeah. you know that yeah. it comes from him and the reaction from the bench, the individual high fives that he takes walking onto the field and shaking hands with everyone, giving them big hugs. And it's almost like a friend, but you know that, hey, it's not just a friend. This guy's going to mess you up when you get to training, but he's appreciating <laughs> you for that moment. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's Klopp, you know. And, you know, there's, there's a guy who always sits on the bench with a book yes. and writes everything down. And, and that's, and that's uh, Klopp's right-hand man. He's the one that helps Klopp, you know, to, as I said, to his success. Mm-hmm. You don't yell at him, you probably see him on the bench, and he writes every single down. Also, another thing is, Rob, is that um, Klopp, young Klopp, he has, studied, he has studied psychology. So he knows how to talk to players. He knows how to manipulate players that they're so good that they can go beyond on what they think they can do on the field. It's an incredible thing, though, because you being exposed to all of that, you you having the kind of coaching that you're getting. Did you find, though, when you came back to 
South Africa. And this is no disrespect to any of the players that you would have interacted with within the national team. Did you find, though, that you had developed so much more than some of the players that you would find wearing the national team jersey? Well, you know, at the time when I played for the national team, I would say I was really, I was very lucky. I was really privileged because the players that I had playing around me all played in Europe. You know, there was players playing for Manchester United, Bolton Wanderers, Lazio Rome, top players. So the majority of the players that were in the in the national team were all playing overseas. So they knew exactly what is, what's expected of each player. Mm. But then when you had also the African players in the national team you could see they were still a bit behind the ears. But then, you know, it didn't take them a few days. You know, they caught on quickly and they integrated. And also it is depending on where you're playing because if when you came for the national team and you're playing maybe a, uh, a team uh, in Mali or something, then you, you, you have to bring yourself a level down to fit with the players that came from South Africa for everything to groom and to bloom. Because if you play on a high top level, if you play on how you always play in Europe, you know you will do things which the other player you can't react to quickly because you know you're not reading the game like you do like you do overseas. Mm. So it's, so that that makes what I would say is a professional player to always adjust on towards the situation on which game you're playing and the players playing around you. And, you know, the crazy thing is, and because of the breaking news that we had to go with earlier, I, I do apologize, and we do owe you a, a second part of this interview, because, you know, your journey, I know last time we spoke about your autobiography called My Life, um, which still remains one of the most intriguing books, you know, that, that I've ever read, uh, because of all these highs and lows. But when we do do part two, we, we will begin... A, a certain footballing journey because I want that to come out and I All keep right. stressing it in this country that we overlook sport as a means to get people employed what you were doing in Germany was being employed but you were being employed for what for your God-given talents and look at where and how yeah. it puts you out there in the world and if we overlook all of this we will be left to the generation of people that only believe that you need to get a tender uh, in South Africa to become anything. <laughs> Whereas the tender uh, is something you get to the maternity <laughs> ward when you are born. It is there. Yeah, that is your walking you know, I, tender. I didn't even know what a tender was until a few, few six weeks ago. Until I was, <laughs> the lockdown, COVID, the president on TV giving tenders. I'm like, what is a tender? What is uh, a but tender? now I know what a tender There's is. There's a like, tender oh. steak. They have a tender steak. I said, okay. Bring <laughs> it with chips. Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. And yeah. um, I mean, you get great guys who are giving you big ups, like uh, Macbeth Sibai, who listens all the time to the show. Uh, you know, he's also agreeing with you. He says it's very simple. He says you create a structure as in a healthy youth league of a generation um, that you want to see competing at the highest level for the national team. He says that success is generational. Create an educated one after another. Yeah. There will be continuity, which is endorsing exactly what you were saying now. Exactly. I agree with him 100%. Yeah. You, do, you need development for progress in this country, especially when it comes to national team. You can't just keep on taking players. Players make it into the first team. They're 26 years old, 27 years old. 
No, for me, it's, it's too old. You need to get the youngsters coming in. They need the proper development. As I said, they need the proper coaches coaching them. And not someone that just puts a few cones and makes him run. And I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Mm. And my eyes actually burned <laughs> watching all this. Yeah. Incredible. What would you say in, in the youthful side? Was it on a jump, on a pickup from where we leave off tonight? But in, in, in your return back to Germany, would you say then you were a, a better person, more engineered, tougher in terms of your socialization within your environment and football-wise? Yeah, most definitely, um, Rob. You know, when I went to Germany, I, you know, I, was, I was thin like a toothpick. And then when I got there, they made me strong. You know, they got me actually, actually meat on my body. They made me fit mentally also wise. Because remember, in, in the, in, in the football industry, it's not easy. You know, there's a lot of criticism that comes away if you're not performing. And how did you deal with that? Mm. I mean, if you read my book that we, I did hit a speed bump where I thought to myself, you know, I'm done now. I need to go. Yeah. I'm done of this life. But luckily I came back to my senses because I thought, because uh, to me it was life was more worth than what I wanted to do. And also my kids are more worth. I can't leave, leave them behind. Mm. And that's been selfish, you know. So it's also that plays, you know, it made me really mentally strong. Yeah, and this is, I don't know if players, I mean, I don't know if you heard through the, through the great find that so many players fall through depression depression reason being is because there's too much pressure on them of course they're earning the millions and the millions and everyone thinks they're having the fantastic life nice houses nice cars but you know we're living now in a world with social media where you can easily read and quick how fast you can be criticized yeah. and that can affect a player you know if a player is not producing not scoring they can get to him and then it can bring his football right down he doesn't complain anymore he has mental problems, you know, depression. And that's what I'm saying. When I went to Germany, it, it made me very, very strong. And I'm thankful, thankful for that. I'm thankful for knowing you. And I'm thankful and grateful that you will be with us again for part two of Darren Buckley's journey in football. Uh, Darren, thank you so much, man. I'm really fixated by this and loving the reaction as well that's coming through on social media. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fix a date. We'll tell everybody. And let's do it again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rob. Take it easy, man. Thank you very, very much indeed. Darren Buckley, uh, our guest tonight on the Legends Show as well.